I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hi, and welcome to Lead with Impact. I am Brian, and I'm so happy you could join me for today's conversation. We're going to be talking to Clay Stairs. Clay's journey from poverty to profits, freak out to freedom, all started back when he was homeless and living out of his car. It was a great car, he says, a 1988 Olds Delta 88, and it had very comfortable seats, but it was no place to live and definitely no place to try and raise his two-year-old daughter. That's what we call being at the bottom. But Clay didn't allow his circumstances to define his reality. He kept moving forward and was determined to let his destiny define his reality. That journey has taken him through 15 years as a public school teacher and coach, 10 years of executive experience in nonprofit ministry, and most recently, eight years of speaking across the country as America's millionaire school teacher and running his business consulting company that helps business leaders build a business model that works without you. Clay's message of mindset and mentoring is inspiring and it's guaranteed to move you to action. As the founder of the Leadership Initiative, he knows that the first person you must learn to lead is yourself. Only then can you move forward as a leader of others. So sit up in your chairs, prepare to engage, strap on your seatbelt, because you're getting ready to go for a ride. Ladies and gentlemen, Clay Stairs. And Clay Stairs, welcome to the Lead with Impact podcast. It is so great to have you. Oh, man, it's great to be here, Brian. Thank you so much for the introduction here and, and uh, also for inviting me to be on this show today. This is going to be great. Well, I am thrilled to talk to you and learn from you, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. And I'd like to start out with a very general question, and that is simply, how do you help people? Man, that is, that's a very good question. I love that, Brian. So, you know, we help business owners that are not fully satisfied with their company. You know, we, we help them get from point A to point B, from where they are to where they want to be. You know, I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're frustrated with your sales right now. Maybe you're still trying to find that, that, that right marketing thing to do, that, that marketing tactic to do to get that phone to ring more and more. Or you could just be overwhelmed with the company and the amount of work that you have. It could even be one of those things where you just can't find good employees. And as a result, Brian, the company has become more of a drain than a dream for you. We fix those problems for those business owners. More of a drain than a dream. That is an outstanding catchphrase. I have to remember that one. And as I was preparing for the show, that just kind of came out of my mouth, you know, and all of a sudden I heard the, oh, man, I better write that sucker down. That's good. More of a drain than a dream. I love that. So what made you want to start out down this path? 
<laughs> another another good question. You know, I think uh, Steve Jobs is the one that uh, calls us entrepreneurs the crazy ones. And, and I think all of us entrepreneurs can completely relate to that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 55 years old, Brian. And uh, at this point, I, I fully I'm, I'm fully in connection here with my gifts and talents. I know that I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. And, and I also know that my assignment from God in this world is to set people free and help them get from their point A to point B. So, you know, I'd spent 15 years as a high school teacher and coach and then 10 more years in ministry. And, and for these 25 years, I'd been teaching and coaching and inspiring and mentoring. And man, those jobs were great, but, but I knew there was more to me than I had tapped into so far. And some of your listeners probably know what I'm talking about. You just know there's more to me than I'm tapped into so far. And, and it seems like there was always this voice back in, in, the, in the recesses of my, of my brain saying, Clay, there's more. There's more. You know, so that, was, that kept driving me forward to the next step and the next step. And, and plus the jobs in the public schools and also in ministry, I just knew that they were not going to pay for the vision that my wife Lisa and I have for our family moving forward. So one day back in 2011, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to reach my dream unless I had my own thing. So, you know, being an entrepreneur has helped me fill that gap. Uh, it's provided me with the financial freedom and time freedom uh, for both me and my wife to uh, help a ton of people as well as to live the life that we want to live. You were right. That resonates, I'm sure, with the listeners and also with me. Uh, as you may know, if you've gone back a little bit, I come from the corporate world and I had some of those same thoughts and eventually that little voice became too loud to ignore and uh, here <laughs> yeah. we are. So I, I totally understand that and congratulate you because as easy as you made it sound in that conversation, my guess is it wasn't as easy to do and probably some struggles came along with that decision. Yeah, 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 of course, man. The, uh, you know, you don't leave teaching after 15 years. You know, people just don't do that. <laughs> and the ministry that I left, it was my family's ministry. My mom and dad started back in 1972. So it was uh, both of those, uh, to leave both of those uh, was was really having to, uh, what is it, having to step off a cliff and uh, follow the dream. The old leap of faith, right? Yeah, yeah. So did you have any struggles when you started out on this journey? Oh, man. I, I would say, Brian, you know, as far as struggles, holy cow. Yeah, I would, I would probably say, though, that there were two main struggles, two main hurdles that I had to overcome personally. And, and the first one was, even though I, I knew that I had talent as a teacher and a coach, uh, I had won awards and I'd, I'd had a lot of accolades and everything as a teacher and coach. So I knew I had the skill. But, Brian, I didn't know jack squat about how to build a company around that skill, how to make money with that skill. And uh, as, a, as a result, there was a very steep growth curve for me to learn about how to build a business so I wouldn't get trapped in just doing a job. And I had to learn that really fast or else I was going to go broke. And uh, the second hurdle that was very difficult for me, because keep in mind, I was 47 years old 
when I started this company. And so this is the classic old dog, new trick type right. of thing. And uh, so this hurdle was just having, having the humility to submit to a business coach. And again, I was 47 years old, and the vast majority of business owners that, that I'm introduced to, they started their company because they just couldn't stand working for somebody else. You know, uh, we as business owners, we want to do things our way, and we think we know the best way. And, and I get that. I totally get that. But if you're a business owner and you're not fully satisfied with your company, then you need to realize that it's been your best thinking that has gotten you where you are so far. And, right. and I, meet, I immediately, when, when I started my company back in 2012, I immediately got a business coach. But it was not just the knowledge that I learned from my coach. It's interesting. His name is Clay as well, Clay Clark. And not only was it the knowledge – it was the humility that I had to have to actually follow somebody. And Brian, up to that point, 47 years of my life, I had never followed somebody. I had always been the guy. I got it. I'll do it on my own. So uh, I immediately got a coach with Clay Clark, and, and I still meet with Clay uh, every week, uh, even eight years later. And, you know, Brian, I, I've always really loved, and, and you may be a guy like this too. You, you come across the, the stuff that I've learned about you. You come across as this kind of person. But um, I love epic journey movies. You know, th movies like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, The Matrix and Zorro and things like that. You know, those movies where there, there's this young Padawan that meets up with that older, wiser sage. And the whole first part of the story is is all focused on the difficulty that the young Padawan is having and struggling to submit to what the the uh, sage is teaching them. And you know, it, it's 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 very much the same in business coaching. We have to come to that point um, in our lives. You and I, we have to come to that point in our lives where we are willing to listen to somebody else, willing to submit to a better way. You know, knowledge is great, but without the willingness to follow up and implement, you're screwed. So eventually each of those stories that there's that breakthrough, you know, that 60 second montage, you know, where the dun dun is going on and the Padawan finally submits to the training and the whole rest of the movie is about them attaining their dream. But, it, it, you know, it's, it's very similar here in the business world. So, you know, Luke Skywalker, he had Yoda. Frodo, he had Gandalf. You know, Harry Potter, he had Dumbledore. Daniel had Mr. Miyagi. Even, even what was it, uh, the Kung Fu Panda, he had that little white thing. I'm not even sure what that <laughs> white little thing was. You know? But I've got Clay Clark. But my question to your listeners today is, who do you have? Who is your Yoda? Who is the one that is helping you get forward? That is such an interesting way of looking at things. And yes, that hero's journey certainly does speak to me. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well. And I think the challenge is, and here's where I really take my hat off to you for recognizing it so early. I think the challenge is if you decide to launch out and do something new, it is because you have had some modicum of success. And you've had people telling you that you're doing things well and you are really good at what you do. So the challenge can be to think, well, this will just easily translate into something totally <laughs> new. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, so I'll just do this and everything will work out. Yeah. 
and uh, I, I, I'm the same way. It took me a little bit longer than you to realize that working with a coach with an established record of building businesses and the ability to turn a dream into a business was something that would be very wise of me to do. And I love that you're bringing that out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, uh, let's see, Bill Gates, I think he has a great YouTube video. Uh, he and Eric Schmidt have a great uh, YouTube video out there, and you can uh, find this on YouTube. Just uh, put in Bill Gates uh, in YouTube, Bill Gates, Everybody Needs a Coach. And there's like a five-minute video. It may be shorter than that, but Bill Gates and Eric Schmidt, uh, the CEO of uh, Google, and uh, to check out what they have to say. And these are two guys at the very height of their industry, and both of them talking about the value of a coach. I have to look that up. We'll link that up in the show notes if anybody would like to oh, find it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Now, you mentioned that you were a teacher for many years. How did your experience as a teacher influence what you do now? Oh, man, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that uh, I mean, I'd have to say that I learned how to teach and coach and influence other people in the furnace of being a middle school and high school teacher. You know, I mean, I, I can't think of a more difficult crowd, Brian, to inspire than a group of middle and high school teenagers in science class. You know, that, that is a tough crowd right there, you know, but, but over 15 years uh, I, I, that I taught and coached in public schools, I, I gradually learned, and I did not start this way by any means, but I gradually learned how to engage with others and inspire them to learn. It was while I was a teacher that, that I, I learned that true art of leadership that uh, Dwight Eisenhower, our 34th president, says that the true art of leadership is getting other people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. And I think each of us have that, that teacher in our life, in our story. We look back, and there are those teachers that we can think of that, that uh, really stand out as, man, this teacher was inspiring. This teacher made me want to learn. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of those. There's a whole, probably a whole lot of other teachers that are, you know, we don't even remember them or, remember, or what we remember is not real positive. And uh, so I would definitely say that uh, spending those 15 years in the classroom uh, was the, the real furnace to help me learn uh, how to lead with impact, you know, just like your show, how to, how to engage and influence and uh, inspire people to learn. That's so true. I used to go into schools occasionally myself to help kids learn financial literacy. And it was always so much more difficult, especially the older kids, to motivate them than adult learners. Other people might think it's easier, but I found it very difficult. But, oh, the, yeah. but the joy of it was the ones who were engaged were really engaged. And there was some real passion. But as a whole, I found it challenging. So I can imagine doing that every day just has to, <laughs> like they say, iron sharpens iron, right? You have to go in there and really build up your skills. Yeah, and if you don't, you just get eaten alive. And, uh, you know, it, it, we know teachers like that. All of us remembered looking back into our middle school and high school days of teachers that we knew they were just in the wrong seat on the bus. You know, they were just in the wrong spot. That's true. So I would like to pick your brain a little bit on some tactical subjects. 
Oh, I love it. Some of the things you speak about. I would really like to break down your ideas and your thoughts so our audience can benefit from those. For instance, you talk a lot about keeping great employees. That is a challenge in this market especially. How do you do that? How does somebody who has employees attract and keep the best ones? Oh, that's fantastic. And this is such an issue. Uh, every day, literally every day, I talk to business owners across the country. And when I ask them, what are, what are some of your biggest limiting factors? 100% of them will come around to finding good employees. And unfortunately, most people, again, the vast majority that I speak with, they don't say, Clay, I'm just trying to find good employees. What they say is, Clay, there are no good employees. They've already come to that conclusion that they aren't there. So this is a great question. Thank you so much for asking me this. And finding and retaining great employees, it it is not easy. Uh, It takes focused attention over a long period of time. And uh, I don't know that there is one key, okay? I don't know that there's one key, one silver bullet to find these unicorns that are out there. However, I do have a set of keys that I'd like to share with you that, that will be vital for your listeners when they are building a team that creates their dream for them. Uh, I have been very fortunate to become friends with Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son. And uh, in, in one of the conferences that we were doing together, I heard him say that if you have a dream but don't have the team, then you either have to give up the dream or build up the team. And so I, I'd like to give four keys to help you build up your team. And uh, the first step here is going to be your core values. It starts with a C, okay? So the first one starts with a C, and the the, the uh, item here or the task is to identify your core values. Way too many business owners are are looking for great employees, but but they haven't taken the time, Brian, to identify and communicate what that great employee looks like or or thinks like. You know, so building a dream team is going to require you as the leader to come up with a clear, compelling vision to invite the people to. You know, you've heard this before. Without a vision, the people perish. I'm going to add a little bit to that. Without a vision, it's just a job to them, and that's how they'll treat it. So, in action. Go ahead. I was going to say, maybe not even a job as much as a financial transaction. I'm showing up to get paid. Beautiful. Love that. Yeah, it's just here. And as soon as I don't think I'm getting paid well enough, okay, I'm going to look someplace else. And again, we all know that people will feel like they are not getting paid enough as soon as their job becomes a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit inconvenient. I'm not getting paid enough for this. And they start looking around. So core values are vital for us as leaders as the first step when it comes to building a team. We have to have a vision and core values to invite people to. So an action item for you. You guys want to write this down. All the listeners write this down here. Action item. Take time to write down what your core values are for your company. Write those suckers down. Slap them up on the wall so everybody can see it. Now, the second step here, the first step was started with a C and its core values. The second step starts with an L. We've got to look at a lot. 
So again, just some fun facts about the American labor pool here. Okay, You're going to love these here, Brian. First of all, CBS News tells us that 75% of employees admit to stealing from their boss. 75%. Wow. Yeah, Inc. Magazine. Please check these. You know, don't just trust me here. Just look these things up on. Go to the Google, you know, and check this out. But next of all, Inc. Magazine tells us that 85% of employees lie on resumes. A Gallup poll tells us that over 70% of employees are disengaged at work. 70% are disengaged at work. And 24% of that 70% is actively disengaged. Brian, I'm not even for sure exactly what actively disengaged is, other than, you know, they got to be thinking on their way to work, what can I not do today? You know, how much time can I spend not doing any work? They're planning on not getting things done. So great employees are hard to find, but, but they are out there. Okay, but we have to look at a lot. So for us, we do group interviews each week. And we've been doing that for the past five years. And our our numbers, okay, our numbers uh, tell us that to find an A player, you're going to need to look at over 60 people to find an A player. To find a good, strong B player that will show up to work each day and do their job, a good, strong B player, you're probably going to look have to look at over 20 people. And most businesses are just not set up to look at so many. You know, we want to just kind of look at a handful of folks, make it make the choice the best of four and make a decision on that. So but again, the way that we look at a lot is by conducting a weekly interview. And we do it the same day, the same time each week. It takes us about 30 minutes, maybe 45, depending upon how many uh, people show up. But we do that instead of spending all of our time reading a ton of resumes that people lie on. All right. Let's not forget that. Uh, And then scheduling time for people that don't show up. That's just happened way too many times where you you carve time out of your schedule to do these interviews and then people don't show up. So an action item here for step number two is to create a system that allows you to efficiently look at you know, 50 to 100 people every month, every can, month. Can I jump in? Can I jump in there? Please do. I really like that, especially the proactive nature, because as I'm hearing you talk about the fact that most businesses look at a handful of people, three, four or five, part of the reason is because, is because they wait until they're short staffed. They wait. Oh, they're in a hurry. They're in a hurry and they can't cover their shifts and they're struggling. So they are just looking for a warm body to do it. So I think the proactive nature of that approach is really groundbreaking and be really powerful. Yeah. You know, I learned this. uh, I learned this from Lee Cockrell, who's a business partner of mine. He ran Disney. Uh, for, I mean, I forget how many years he was at Disney, but Lee Cockrell, you can check him as well online. And uh, he's written several books, but he was the, I believe, the executive vice president for all Disney resorts. He had 40,000 employees under him that he was responsible for. And this is what Disney does. It's what Southwest Airlines does. It's what Google does. It's what it's the best practice system to look at a lot of people in a short amount of time. 
So that's step number two. So we've got step number one starts with a C. It's core values. Step number two uh, starts with an L. Look at a lot. Step number three starts with an A, and it is alignment on your team. So what I'm talking about here is we need to use our core values to measure fit for the company. Again, so often, as, uh, as you were saying, uh, business owners are hiring in a hurry. They're hiring under pressure. And, and as a result, they are completely looking at just function when they look at a candidate rather than fit. And so we are very strong in our coaching program about alignment with your team. And so what do we need them to align with? Well, again, the core values and the vision in the company. Job ads and interviews and reference checks, they should all begin with you talking about your vision and core values, who you are and why your company exists. And so an action item here for step number three is to create a job ad that actually starts out talking about your core values and your vision for your company. Again, you can eventually get to what the job responsibilities are and the pay and, and the job description. You can definitely get to all of that. But start with who you are and why you exist because those are the people that, uh, that you are going to want, people that respond to your cultural language. And then finally, step number four. We've got step number one, C, uh, which is core value. Step number two, L, look at a lot. Step number three, A, align with your team. And then, Brian, I, I have to admit here, okay, I am trying to spell clay here. All right, for the, <laughs> I was starting to figure that out. I'm like, this is some genius branding he has going yeah, on here. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, why? Gosh, I had to, I really had to stretch for this. But but my, my heritage is back in Ireland. So I had to reach back for an Irish word here to get a Y. And the word is yeo, Y-E-O. And it means river, Okay. And uh, so you have to create a river of life into your company so you can consistently flush out the dead sea of poor employees. So the best time to look for great employees is when you're not needing them, like you were just saying, not hiring in a hurry. So, uh, you know, do your group interview each week, put it on your calendar and stick to it each week, same day, same time, whether you are hiring or not. You never know when an employee is going to come up to you and say, hey, uh, Brian, can I talk with you a minute? Have you had that before, Brian, where you've, someone said, hey, can I talk to you? And you go, uh-oh. Have you been there? Of course. Yeah. Brian actually happened to me this morning. It was amazing. I was going, oh, great. I'm going to be able to use this story. Happened to me this morning. Had one of my A players come to me. Hey, Clay, can I talk to you in a little bit? And in the back of my brain, you know, that little primeval part of my brain, I was going, danger, danger. <laughs> and sure, sure enough, we got together and she was saying, Clay, I, I think that uh, the end of January is going to be when we're going to need to part ways. And uh, man, but I tell you, because we do the group interview, I'm not in a spot where I feel like, oh, no, what am I going to do? I know that we're going to be able to fill in right behind her. So, um, again, this last step, yayo, which means river, and an action item for you here is uh, to schedule a group interview every week and always do it whether you're hiring or not. So, again, core values, look at a lot, align on your, alignment on your team, and yayo, create that river every single week. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. I, I love that. It's a 
powerful acronym and like I said, I love the branding and marketing, but yep. <laughs> even beyond that, I love the fact that it's easy to remember and it all really sort of comes back to that core idea of being proactive and yep. not waiting until you're in a pinch to try to find the perfect person. Yeah. And you know, I, I have not been looking for a new employee for the last eight months and uh, but I've continued. I, I we do our job ads through Indeed, and uh, I continue to run those job ads every week. And we continue to do our group interview, even though we haven't been hiring. And then what do you know? I have an employee come up today, say, "Hey Clay, I think it's time for me to leave." And I'm going, "Okay, no problem. I don't have to freak out over that. You're no longer held hostage by your employees." So, it's a beautiful way of looking at it. Now, I'd like to talk to you about one of your other subjects that I know you are an expert in, and that is customer service. In, oh, yeah. in my old job, I used to do a lot of onboarding and, and preparing for this interview. It just made me think of it. I would talk to people and I would say, you know, in our city and around the country, it's Monday morning. There are a lot of companies onboarding their employees, just like we are doing here. And they are all telling their employees customer service is important. But the funny part is, when you go out in the world, you don't find great customer service everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. So everybody talks about it, but not everyone does it. So help us solve that problem. Why is customer service disappointing so often? Oh, okay. Here we go. And then hopefully I'm not going to hack off too many people on this, all right? But, but Brian. I'd love to hear I, it. Okay, well, here we go. So poor customer service almost always comes down to the responsibility of leadership. It almost always comes down to the responsibility of leadership. You know, too often, leaders give people tasks to do, but they don't train them well enough or they don't hold them accountable to do what they've told them to do. And as a result, what we, do, what we find ourselves doing as leaders is we just rely on people to do great stuff on their own. And Brian, they don't. They don't. People don't do great stuff. Employees don't do great work on their own. And so they need strong leadership, inspiring leadership, and they need good management around them. I have a friend, uh, his name is Arthur, here in Tulsa, and he owns a, a couple of Chick-fil-A stores. Are you, you familiar with Chick-fil-A at all, Brian? Certainly. Yeah, so he has people asking him all the time, hey, Arthur, how do you get these young kids to say my pleasure all the time? And when he was telling me this, he started laughing. He was going, Clay, the answer is very simple. We fire the ones that don't say it. You know, boom, wow. You know, that's just really, that's genius, that either do this or I fire you. And, and so, but too often we as leaders, we tell people to do this, like I want you to always say my pleasure, but we don't train them and then we don't hold them accountable to that. And uh, so what I'd like to do here is I'd, I'd like to give you five stair steps, but up, okay, another little <laughs> branding. Going to give you five stair steps here, and, and these are steps that you can begin implementing right now in your company to improve your customer service, actually to improve all areas in your company. But step number one is going to be to define your goals as a business owner. 
for your, your listeners here to define your goals. Now, this isn't only for your business. I'm, I'm even saying here these are your life goals that you have for you and your family. You have started your company with an idea that your company would provide a certain life for you and your family. So have you taken the time to define those goals? Not everybody has the same goals, obviously. You know, so we all have different uh, things that, that make us feel fulfilled. Some people want to have more money. Some people want more time freedom. And some want better health or deeper relationships. But the question is, what are your goals? And you want to make sure that you clearly define them and then communicate those goals to your team. Again, we are looking for alignment. If we go back to step number three in finding good employees, we want to communicate our goals and our vision with our team. And we're looking for other humans that identify with our goals. So, you know, you just want to make sure that your business exists to serve you so you don't become a slave to your company. It's just very, very common. And Brian, I, I am always very surprised um, maybe just because I, I've, I've grown up in a, a very strong leadership family. I've, I've kind of always grown up with goals, but I, I'm always amazed at the number of business owners that I talk with on a daily and weekly basis that when I ask them, where are you trying to go? What's your, what's your point B? What's your goal? Many of them say, you know, Clay, I, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in goals. I, I don't really go there. I, we're just working. It's like, oh my gosh, how? How do you know if you're getting someplace if you don't have an end in mind? So, uh, you know, a, a little notable quotable here for you from Napoleon Hill, okay? Napoleon Hill was the, uh, the former personal apprentice for Andrew Carnegie, and he wrote uh, an outstanding book called Think and Grow Rich. He said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. And uh, one of our clients that we have, uh, he's a, a owns a countertop company here in Tulsa, and he started our coaching program because he just felt stuck in the company. They weren't growing, and they they were always frustrated with their employees. And so we started them out with defining their goals, and and they were shocked at how much clarity, Brian, how much clarity it brought to them on a daily basis, just having those goals out in front of them. Uh, over time, it helped them get organized in their company, and it was wonderful how it helped them understand which employees they needed to get rid of and which new employees they needed to bring in and build their team. So an action item for your, your uh, listeners for step number one here is take an hour to write down your personal goals for your company as well as for your life. What do you want your company to accomplish for you? And then post these goals up in a spot where everybody can see them. Everybody on your team can see them. And uh, also another action step here is go to uh, our website, theleadershipinitiative.com, and watch our client video testimonials on growing your business about vision and goals. You know, don't take my word for it. Listen to our clients about how them identifying their goals and their vision and defining those has helped them gain control of their company. So that's step number one. Step number two, after we have defined your goals, step number two is to define your roles. And uh, so what key positions do you need to have on your team to turn your goals into reality? You know, before you start appointing who is going to do what, 
you need to come up with what everybody what what are the responsibilities that need to get done. Brian, I ask uh, people all the time uh, about uh, what their organizational chart looks like. Well, first of all, very few companies, uh, very few small businesses have organizational charts. And the ones that do, you can imagine here, Brian, if they've got five employees, how many boxes do you think are on their organizational chart? Five boxes. If they have 10 employees, how many boxes? Ten boxes. Because they are looking at their organizational chart through the lens of humans. We encourage each of our clients to look at their organizational chart more as an accountability chart or a responsibility chart and look through the lens of responsibilities. So uh, uh, Steve Jobs once said that a small team of A players can run circles around a giant team of B and C players. And um, Maya Angelou, you may uh, be aware of her, best-selling author and actress and a playwright. She said that nothing works until you do. We have a client that's uh, in the aerospace industry and uh, over 400 employees, and they've got a budget of over $200 million. But his leadership team of 12 people, they're just running around crazy, Brian. It, you know, it, it kind of looks like, and some of your listeners, unfortunately, might be able to relate to this. It, it's like one of those little peewee soccer teams when everybody is just surrounding the ball. Right. You know, It's kind of running around, and everybody has to be in everybody's stuff, and everybody has to know everything that's going on. But on a winning sports team, everyone has a responsibility. And as a team, you rely on each player to play their position. It has taken some time with, with our client, but, but we now have clear responsibilities for each person on the team. And they have moved from planning with no execution to implementing and executing the plan. And they all know what their role is in that execution. And a phrase that we say now a lot comes from Bill Belichick. You may be familiar with this. Do your job. So an action item for step number two here on defining your roles. Create a responsibility chart. It looks kind of like an org chart where each box is a responsibility and not just a person's name. Then assign names to those responsibilities and put this chart up on the wall so people can see where they fit in the company. Another action item here is a great step for you. Go to YouTube and YouTube Traction Accountability Chart and watch Gino Wickman's three-minute video. He explains this really well. Gino Wickman is the uh, author of a book called Traction. It's a whole uh, entrepreneurial operating system that uh, is a best-selling book. Are you familiar at all with uh, the book Traction, Brian? I am. It's funny you ask. Our last podcast guest uh, is an EO implementer, and she recommended the book Traction. Boom. There we go. I highly recommend. Highly recommend that. Yeah. So uh, step number three is to, to design your systems. So again, step number one, define your goals. Step number two, define your roles. Step number three is to design your systems. So all repeating tasks that you want other people to do for you, you need to get those written out on a step-by-step process of how you want it to do, how you want people to do what you're asking them to do. Write scripts for phone calls and presentations. Create checklists for any repeating activity. Uh, create uh, auto-responding emails and templated emails and so on. After seven years in business, Brian, we, we've got over 300 systems 
that we rely on to make sure our company runs smoothly. And, and each of these systems uh, we share with uh, each of our clients, each of these best practice systems. We share these systems with uh, each of our clients. And um, it's always interesting when it comes to checklists here. There's a book out there called The Checklist Manifesto. And if, if you're very cerebral and you really like uh, uh, getting into the science of this stuff, then I would recommend the book The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. And uh, a quote from him out of this book is, we don't like checklists. They just they can be painstaking, and they're not much fun. But I don't think the issue here is mere laziness. There's something deeper, more visceral going on. It somehow feels beneath us to use a checklist. It's an embarrassment to use a checklist. This is a quote from him. And uh, if you are a solopreneur and you're the only one in your company and you plan on never hiring anybody, then you don't need checklists because it's all in your head and you can keep it there. But as soon as you hire somebody else, we've got to get that information out of your head so that we can delegate it to other people. So um, an action item for designing your systems here for your, te- uh, for your listeners is write a step-by-step system for any repeating task that, you, uh, that your team just can't seem to get right. A, a task that you continue to ask your team to do and they're just, they just can't seem to get it right. Pick any of those and just write a step-by-step system on how you want them to do it. Not just what to do, but how to do what you want them to do. Teach it to your team and have them follow this system each time they do the task. Does that make sense, Brian? Perfect. And I would say yeah. even, I think there are a few solopreneurs that could benefit from a checklist as well. Uh, <laughs> but especially, like you said, getting it out of your head without that step-by-step system is just not going to work well. Yeah. And you're going to continue getting frustrated with your employees and calling your employees bad employees. But unfortunately, you have just told them what to do, but you haven't told them how to do it. And, of course, they don't know as much as you know about your company. And so they're just going to do it the way they would do it. And uh, so I just want to help your help uh, your listeners here not set your, themselves up and their employees up for that frustrating situation, but to design your systems. Next of all, step number four, we want to implement a culture of, resp- of accountability here, a culture of accountability. Are they following the systems? You know, there's an old Russian proverb that uh, Ronald Reagan made uh, quite popular when he said, trust but verify. So this is where most businesses drop the ball, Brian. They don't hold the team accountable for implementing the proven processes that you've put in place. You know, uh, who was it? Uh, Andy Grove. Yeah, I think it was Andy Grove, the co-founder of Intel. He said, only the paranoid survive. What that means is as a leader, you've got to follow up. You've got to follow up often to make sure that people are, are accountable to following your systems. We have a client that's a chiropractor. I think you'll probably understand this, Brian. Uh, we have a client that's a chiropractor, and he's had a clinic in Colorado where he lived, but he also had a client in uh, a clinic in Ohio. And his plan was for the three doctors in Ohio to do what he was doing alone in Colorado But for some reason, they just weren't getting things done, you know? 
and they were spending more money and they had less revenue in their clinic with three doctors than he had as a lone doctor in Colorado. What he had done is abdicated his responsibility, and as a result, he almost went out of business. He had some systems, but he didn't have accountability in place. So an action item here for step number four is going to be to schedule a weekly meeting with metrics into your calendar, okay, to hold people accountable. So an example of these meetings would be uh, to schedule every single week a weekly accounting meeting where you are looking at your numbers. Don't just leave it up to your accountant. You need to be looking at your numbers. Number two meeting here would be, you know, a, a, a one-hour meeting every week that is a mandatory all-staff meeting for you to take the time to build your culture and do Q&A. Next of all, we, we uh, implement this uh, in our team. Again, this is something that Disney does. It's something that Google does. Every single morning, we have a 10-minute uh, uh, daily huddle where everyone comes together. And our purpose in that meeting is, number one, just making sure that everybody's there on time, making sure that their eyes are open, and any time for Q&A for the day. I promise you it has happened before where we are in that morning huddle. People are yawning and rubbing their eyes. Brian, I promise you, if people are yawning and rubbing their eyes, you are not going to get a good day's work out of them. Right. And so we to hold them accountable, wake up, get coffee, get the Red Bull, whatever you've got to do, wake up, it's time to work. And then finally, another suggestion here would be to have a one-hour sales team meeting every single week. Every single week where you've got a public scorecard set up where people are, you need to make this many phone calls, you need to have this many meetings and this many closes. Where there's a public scorecard and everybody on the sales team has a, an opportunity to look at what uh, the production is. Man, that public scorecard is huge. Which leads to step number five. So we're going, once again, step number one for you guys here is you need to define your goals. Step number two is to define your roles. Step number three, design your systems. Step number four is to implement a culture of accountability using meetings. And then finally, step number five is to track what matters. You measure what you treasure. Okay, that's our that's our whole mantra here. Measure what you treasure. Create a compelling scorecard to track all your production. And if you can't see it, you're not going to be able to manage it. That uh, is a quote from Peter Drucker. You may have heard of him before. He's like the godfather of all management. You know, we want to know what is actually getting done. What is the score? And depending upon your company and, and your production, it may be a daily scorecard or it could be a weekly scorecard. In our company, we have a daily scorecard. And um, if you can't measure it, Peter Drucker says, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So, you know, we've got a uh, carpet cleaning company client that's up in Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, we've been working with him for just three months and one of the first steps that we implement with all of our clients is a tracking system for all your lead measures. So, you know, he thought that his goal for the year was going to be out of reach for him to be able to hit. But after we put the scorecard together, it opened up his eyes to see, oh, these are the steps that I need to take. These are the things that need to happen for me to hit his goal, for me to hit my goal. And he was so encouraged by that because for the first time, 
He didn't just see the goal, but he saw the steps that needed to happen to reach the goal. And what was so fun was last week on our coaching call, we were able to celebrate because he hit it. He hit the freaking goal. It was so great. He had been diligent to stick with those uh, that tracking system and do the things every single week, and he hit his goal. So, Brian, some action items here for your listeners, okay, on this tracking uh, what matters. First of all, create a compelling daily scorecard. Everybody has a number that they are accountable, accountable for. All tasks have to be measurable. So make that scorecard public for everybody to see. Man, wouldn't that be something if we did that back when I was teaching school? Everybody's grades are up on the board. Woo. I don't know about that. I don't know if that flop. <laughs> the business world, the, the, the culture of accountability that that creates is amazing. It's, it, it compels the, uh, the low workers to either put up or shut up. So each employee reports each day on their production number. Did they hit the mark? Hold them accountable to the production that you expect out of them. And create, final thing here is to create some type of carrot and stick. A carrot is the incentive for them to, if you do it well, here's a reward. The stick, if you didn't hit it, then here's the consequence. If there are no consequences for not hitting our goals, then what compels me to do that? You know? And so there has to be a carrot and stick. And again, Brian, that's where it can really get uncomfortable for many leaders is that they are uncomfortable with confrontation. They're uncomfortable with the hard conversations when people are not hitting their numbers. But this is how to create consistent, outstanding customer service, you know, and Chick-fil-A does it. Disney does it. Southwest Airlines does it. And your listeners can do it as well. I think that whole approach is so outstanding and I would love to go back and just riff more on all of them, but I know we have a limited amount of a limited amount of time, but yeah. I, I did want to address sort of the discomfort of it. And yeah. here's the part that I think leaders that are struggling with that have to realize is the ones that are going to be most uncomfortable with public results are your ones who don't have any results. <laughs> your high performers, the ones who are creating it, the ones who are moving 80% of your business, they're going to love it. Yeah, they love it. I remember loving back in high school when I was playing uh, basketball. I loved after the game going and looking at the scorebook. How many points did I score? Because I knew that I'd scored a lot, you know? But other players did not want anything to do with the scorebook because they knew they had way too many fouls, way too many turnovers, and way too few points. So... Yeah, I totally agree with you. C players hate accountability, and they will whine and gripe. They will even threaten lawsuits because they hate accountability. But A players love it. And if you want to retain good employees over a long period of time, you have to create a, an environment, a culture of accountability. Yeah. Vital. Beautiful. So a couple of more questions for you before we jump off. You mentioned Clay Clark earlier as someone who was really influential for you. Would you yeah. count him as a mentor and did you have any other mentors? Man, I tell you, that's a, that's a tough question. I've had so many influencers in my life, you know, starting with my dad and my older brother, 
a handful of teachers and coaches. I've had many different influencers. But if you remember, uh, I was telling you, it wasn't up until I was 47 years old that I finally decided to submit to somebody. So I, I would say, you know, Clay Clark, he has been my Yoda over the last eight years. He's my business coach. He's the one that I have actually finally come to and said, tell me what to do and I'll do it. So he is the one that I would identify probably even over my father, you know, because my dad, I just didn't always want to do what he told me to do for some reason, Brian, you know, <laughs> but, but I would say that Clay has been my, uh, he has been my Yoda. I love it. How can people find you online? Oh, thank you for asking. Yeah, you know, you can find us at uh, our website, theleadershipinitiative.com. And uh, if you go to the site and fill out the form that we have there, you'll get the complete system that we use to recruit and retain great employees. If you fill out that form, you'll get immediately, it's free, you'll get an immediate uh, response there that has our written system on how we recruit and retain great employees. Plus, we're offering to your listeners here a free 13-point assessment report of their company that includes a website analysis to determine how Google-friendly your website is as well as uh, branding. We'll, we'll do an assessment on your branding, your sales, your accounting, human resources, and, and many more. Uh, if uh, you just go to our website, theleadershipinitiative.com, and uh, fill out that form. That's amazing. Thank you for making that offer. That's going to be very powerful, I know, for our listeners. Oh, it, it'll be great. There are many people that we talk with that just after doing that assessment, they go, Oh my gosh, this is so helpful. For the first time, I see my whole company in context, as opposed to just looking at those burning fires all the time. I see my whole company in context. So, so please reach out to us. It's all free of charge. No, no requirement to, you know, no expectation at all. I have a largely philosophical question for you next. <laughs> oh, sorry, let me put on my toga. Okay. <laughs> if you could. Uh, put a one-sentence message on a billboard to the world, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. One sentence message to the world. How about this? A phrase that I say all the time, uh, how you think is the most important thing about you. That'd probably be the phrase right there. How you think is the most important thing about you. You know, if uh, you, you must increase... I don't know. This isn't the second sentence, okay? I've already done the one, but uh, <laughs> you must increase your capacity to process greater complexity, or else you will always be the limiting factor in your own life. There you go. Was that good enough? I, 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 I am sitting cross-legged when I said that, so hopefully that came across right. It's amazing. I'm just contemplating it. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that more afterwards, but that was great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it, will take, it will take many moons, my son. <laughs> Yes. What does the future hold for Clay? Oh, man, I love that question. I, I hope, my hope is just much more of the same. My desire is more of the same, you know, uh, to set more and more people free from being stuck and, and uh, just settling on a compromised life. Uh, 
The only thing that I think may change, Brian, is the vehicle that I use to do this. Uh, right now, uh, it's as a business coach for small business owners. And in the past, it's been as a teacher in the inner city high school stu- with uh, inner city high school students and, and also uh, as a mentor with college age Christian disciples. And so although the method may change, the purpose is set. And uh, my purpose is set. I, I feel very clear on as I move forward to uh, set people free from being stuck in a compromised life or a compromised business or a compromised relationship with God or a compromised marriage uh, or a compromised parenting situation. Uh, that's really my purpose and my passion. So I know there uh, are a lot of listeners out there that can totally relate to my story about hearing that voice in their head saying, there's more, there's more. You haven't reached your true potential yet, you know. Uh, so if you hear this voice for too long, be careful because if you hear it for too long and don't do something about it, you'll lower the bar of your life to get that voice to shut up. So don't do that. Go to, again, go to our website at theleadershipinitiative.com, fill out that form, and let's start the process of getting, uh, getting you from where you are to where you want to be. Well, thank you, Clay. This has been a fascinating conversation, and I'm so honored that you came out to lead with Impact to have it. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Brian, for inviting me. I've enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed your questions, and uh, thank you so much. I look forward to, uh, uh, to doing this again sometime.